0: Okay, good morning, Boker Tov. We continue our weekly Amuna support group. I want to thank uh, Sarah Katuna, generously sponsored this morning for Hashem Nechana, Bas Ba, Sarah Rocha, on the schos of a healthy baby. Mir Tashem should have good news, B'Sha and Mitzlachas, uh, in good health and, and with lots of nachas. Okay, we're on page Samach uh, Talat here in the Nesiva Shalom, Yisodei Torah. And we've been talking about the mitzvah of Dveikos, the idea of clinging to Hashem, sticking with Hashem. The uh, Salaam Rebbe quoted the Maharal and others who tell us that the entire Torah and mitzvahs, all of observance, is a platform to promote, to generate a greater sense and feeling of connecting and clinging to Hashem. We don't just go through these arbitrary or empty or superficial actions or checklists. We're doing it all in order to be able to connect and create a relationship with Hashem. I wrote, I wrote in the uh, weekly this past week on my blog, really quoting this blog from this uh, senior teenage boy, the senior in high school, who talked about, um, he really articulated, it, I think, so poignantly, that so much of his education, he feels, is just check, 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 do this check, that check, the other thing check. He said, it's as if we don't even give a relationship with Hashem a chance. It was so genuine, it came from such a sincere place. And I think he really articulated it very well, that it's not supposed to be rote or habit, we don't just go through motions, but the idea is to generate a feeling, a connection, a bond, that we're engaged and involved in a relationship, that we feel a sense of Dvekus, of clinging, dvekas from devek, of clinging to Hashem. So, I get with the top uh, paragraph on the right hand column of page Samoch Dalar. If there's extra copies, you can pass it around. That would be great. More coffee. Feel free to help yourselves to some coffee. We started with that first sentence as we ended off last week. That fulfilling this mitzvah of clinging to Hashem, so that everything that happens in your life, you interpret through the lens of Hashem. Whatever's going on, you realize this comes from Hashem, that comes from Hashem, I need Hashem, I'm grateful to Hashem. That, living that life, that mindful, conscientious life, is one of the hardest things in Avodah, in serving Hashem. It's almost easier to give tzedakah and pay that tuition, as hard as that is. It's almost easier, (laughs) it's easier to keep kosher, it's easier to keep Shabbos. All these other areas of Jewish life which we view as challenging, and they're not simple, but they are simple and they pale in comparison to that great challenge of living that life of mindfulness where everything that happens is interpreted through the lens of Hashem. I just spoke about in the um, I just spoke about in the in the cup of Joe. No, there's a chair right here. Yeah. There's a seat right here. I just spoke about in the in the cup of Joe, in Sha'aram Bitfila, after the huh? seven forty five Minion, that idea that Rapincas develops is that when you interpret your whole life through the lens of Hashem, he quotes a like, Gidola Yisrael, our greatest, most righteous role models. It wasn't just when they got to davening, It was, let's say it's on your calendar, that daven mincha at 4 o'clock, daven marav at 9 o'clock, daven shacharis is at 7 a.m. So when you get to those points of time on your calendar, Outlook, Google, whatever calendar you use, pops up a reminder, time to daven. Oh, now I have to daven, I open my siddur and I daven. For these most righteous, greatest role models, that davening experience was always in the back of their mind. So that whatever was happening in their day, an agenda was being created for that next davening. So let's say something happened to you that you weren't expecting or went better than you thought it would go. Um, in your agenda you built was that, oh yeah, when I dava mencha, don't forget to say thank you to Hashem. Or, and I gave the example yesterday, when, when the horrific terror event happened in New York City. So our first reaction as, as people of dvekas, of people of Amuna and Bitachun who are clinging to Hashem our instinctive, intuitive reaction should have been, first of all, at that moment, right right away, <coughs> Hashem, please, give strength to the families of the victims, and give strength and give healing to the people who were hurt, and help law enforcement catch the perpetrators, and help keep us safe, in addition to whatever check we wanted to write to help people, or whatever action we wanted to take to advocate for whatever policy to keep us safer, in addition to whatever we were doing in the world of Gashmias, but in the world of Ruchnias, in the spiritual world, instinctively and intuitively, we have to react by talking to Hashem. So one should in their mind say, you know what, in my agenda for Mincha, Rifa'enu, I have to remember to ask Hashem to heal the people. By the time you get to Mincha, it can't be, oh yeah, I forgot there was a terror event in Manhattan. Oh, so terrible, and I hope the people are better. But by the time you got to Mincha, you're just getting at that davening. Davening? Check. Said the script, went through the template, said the davening, the liturgy. No, the whole idea of the template is to fill it in with your own personal agenda. So, you know, I walk around with these cards in my pocket because, you know, every day I'm thinking about whenever something pops in my head, call that person, respond to that email, set up that meeting, get that thing done, I'm writing it down. Wouldn't it be beautiful, I don't do this, but I'm trying to inspire myself to do this, is wouldn't it be beautiful if we also have a card where we're keeping an agenda for the next avenue? Right, if you knew you are invited to the Oval Office, when would you think about what you want to say? As you walk through the door and shake the hand? No, hopefully. You will have crafted and scripted what you want to say. How do I want to express gratitude? What do I want to acknowledge thanks for? What are the things I want to ask for, push for? You wouldn't walk in and be like, I haven't really given thought to this. And then make small talk and miss the opportunity and walk out. You wouldn't want somebody handed you a script and said, when you get in there, just say this. Then say thank you and walk out. You'd want to give your own thought and add your own component. So, three times a day, we appear before the Melech, Machem Lacham. Three times a day, we enter Hashem's oval office, so to say. We take three steps forward. We talked about yesterday at the Parshashir, the three Vayigashes, and the three steps forward that we take, what they commemorate. We take three steps forward, and we've left the kitchen or the living room. We've left even the shul. We've left being on the side of the room. We've left wherever we are physically, and we've now walked into Hashem's oval office. We're with the Almighty. We have an audience with the King of Kings. So, do we give thought? Have we set an agenda? What do I want to say thanks for? What do I want to ask for? What do I want to do? So living with that mindfulness, I'm telling you all of this because the sl the describes the most righteous have that capacity. Whatever's happening in their day, oh yeah, later. You know, I I gave the example also literally just a few minutes ago. Sometimes things go, you know, I think in a healthy marriage, as things go on in your day, you want to remember to tell your spouse. You crave, you desire to tell your spouse. So whether literally you write it down or you text, remind me later to tell you about X, or, or just in the back of your mind, you've made a mental note. Later I want to tell you X. You're living your life through the lens of, how do I want this to make me closer with my spouse? What do I want to share with them? A frustration I had during the day, a moment of gratitude of how something was amazing during the day. So... All, all the more so the ribona shalom. All the more so the relationship, the loving romantic relationship with Hashem. Oh yeah, remind me at Mincha, at Marav. Tomorrow at Shacharis, I want to talk to Hashem. Right? And, and each davening represents a different point in time of that experience. So the Mincha or marav maybe is the gratitude would happen earlier in the day. Shacharis is maybe, you know what? Hashem, before davening, I looked at my schedule. I have a big meeting today. I've got a big interview today. My daughter is going on a date tonight and it's so important to me. Whatever. My child is, is, is going for the big ultrasound. Whatever is coming up that, that you've actually looked at your agenda before shachar so that your chakras is different. If you've given thought to what's coming up today, then your shachar is different versus, oh yeah, it's just another thing I've got to do. I've got to drink my coffee. I've got to drive carpool. I've got to get this done. I've got to get that done. Somewhere in between, I'm going to squeeze out a chakras while I'm still putting away the bowls from the cereal of breakfast that the kids left out. That, that's not a chakras. That's not a chakras that's going to yield dvekas. It's not going to yield a sense of sticking with Hashem, glue, a romantic rendezvous. If you put the thought in beforehand, it will. Okay, continuing. The only way that you can arrive at that sense of connecting, clinging, sticking with Hashem, is when you first nullify yourself. You have to feel about yourself, that you are insignificant, inconsequential, you're an utter, pathetic, nothing, garnished Right, last week we talked about, I think we talked about, the schools of Musr, yeah. Slobodka, Nevada, Kalm, mm-hmm. Godless Adam, the greatness of man, versus shiftless Adam, the lowliness of man. Do we connect with Hashem by realizing we're, we're, we're just a step away from being God? Or do we connect Hashem by realizing we're just a step away by being worm food? Which is the one that's going to drive us more? So here the Islam Rebbe is describing that, and this is this week's parasha, by the way. When Avram Avinu talks to Hashem and protests and objects to what Hashem is going to do with stone, in the middle he realizes, you know what? Who the heck am I to be telling Hashem how to run his world? So what does he say in the middle? Yeah, I'm just like dust and ash. I'm nothing. I'm garnished. But, here's what I think. With the capacity that you gave me, here's what I think. I think it's unjust. How could you kill the righteous with the wicked? You can't do this, Hashem. And Avram protests. And in that way gives us license. I think that's what gives us license to daven all together. Through the positive end, by avoiding the negative commandments, Every mitzvah is an exercise in humility. If you tap into the energy, if you tap into the deeper meaning of every mitzvah we do, it is an exercise in humility. It's an exercise in humility. We are realizing that As much as we can show initiative, and we try, and we work, and we accomplish, and we achieve, and we have so much to be proud of, and we should be proud. But in the end of the day, we are the junior partner in a partnership with the senior partner. Without him, it doesn't work. And so, every give me an example of a mitzvah. Call out a mitzvah, and I'll tell you how it can achieve dvekas and how it's, in truth, at its core, an exercise in feeling humble and humility. I mean, thinking about brachas you make. You make a bracha on the food, you realize, yeah, I, went, I, I earned the money to go shopping, to buy the ingredients, to have made the recipe, to have put together this delicious potato kugel. But I make Bori pri adam and I say, Hashem, where did I get the potatoes from? They come from the ground. And if you want it to not rain, or you want there to be a, a plague in the ground, or you want there to be a drought, or you want there to be a, a whatever shortage of potatoes, there's no potatoes. I don't have this to eat. I can be proud that I put together a delicious potato kugel, I'm a great cook. But I make a bracha because I need to bring myself back, anchor myself in humility. That Hashem, it's all from you. I, I wouldn't have the ingredients to start mixing together okay. if it weren't for you. It wouldn't have come out well. The oven could malfunction, and the ingredients could be off. The taste could be whatever. I mean, it's, it sounds like a petty, silly example. But and that's the me'a brachas b'chol a hundred times a day you make a bracha. But whether it's lighting candles, whatever mitzvahs. I don't know. Tell me a mitzvah. Kibar. What? Kibur aveim, honoring your parents. Honor your parents is a perfect example. The Gemara Kedushin says that when you honor your parents, you're honoring Hashem. When you dishonor your parents, you're dishonoring Hashem. And the commentaries all ask, well, what does one thing have to do with the other? Why can't I go down with Kavana and shuckle and cry and say, oh, Tehillim every day and have this incredible relationship with Hashem? And it just happens to be I don't get along with my parents. You know, I, I don't honor them. They're not worthy of honor. I don't like them. Uh, you know, I struggle with that. What does one thing have to do with the other? So the Mefarshim will explain that no, they go together. What is the experience of honoring your parents? It's realizing that without them, you wouldn't be here. We tend to want to live a sense of independence. You know, I take care of myself. I'm autonomous. I'm independent. I don't need them. I'm good on my own. Right? So what is does of aim? It says, stop. Even if you're financially independent, which Halavai kids would want to be today. <laughs> but even if you're financially independent... And even if you're accomplished, and even if you want to feel that you are, you've come, on, come along on, on your own, but you need to turn around and realize that literally you would not be in existence without them. Whether physically they've conceived you and brought you into this world, or even if they haven't been very good parents, somebody changed those diapers and nursed you and gave that baby food and got you through those first months or years. Even if they haven't nurtured you the way you wish they were the parents you wish they were. I mean, there's a whole discussion in halachat. You have to honor parents who are unworthy of honor, but leave that aside for a moment. That's talking about really wicked parents. Do you honor an abusive parent? Leave that aside. But I'm just talking about you know you've determined they weren't the best parents. Your friend had much better parents, so you don't think your parents deserve to be honored because your friend's parents were much better, or you got married and your spouse's parents are much better. But the halakha still says you have to honor them. And why do you have to still honor them? Because you're not honoring them; you're honoring Hashem. You're honoring the notion that you are not independent; you are dependent that you didn't come out of nowhere, you came out of somewhere. of aim is really an exercise in Hakkara Satov, in gratitude. It's an exercise in humility and feeling dependent. I, I always put it like this. You know, we live on a timeline. So people on time line, a timeline, right, time is linear. We don't believe that as Jews, we believe time is cyclical. But assuming for the moment time is linear, right? Time began here, and it's a line that extends, and that direction is the future, and that's the past, and you're a point moving along the line, and wherever you are, that point on the line, that's the present. So most people like to live their life, particularly it's growing even more in these generations. They like to live their life looking forward in the timeline, right? Just anticipating the future. Nothing existed before me. I don't come from anywhere. I don't have to have gratitude for anything. I don't need to have any appreciation of my personal or our collective history. I'm just plowing forward. I'm the first person to ever exist and I'm, I'm plowing forward. Especially young people like to live that life. They're, they're in the future. Everything's about the future and where I'm going in the future. Comes along in the midst of Kiridava Amen and it says, Stop! freeze on the point, on the timeline, and turn around. And look what comes before you. You have parents. And when you see, you know who's standing right behind them? Your grandparents. Mm-hmm. And you know who's right behind them? Your great-grandparents. And if you look all the way in the back of the line, at the beginning of the line, you know who's there? Hashem. He's all the way. So, what is Kibbutz aim? It's saying stop and turn around. And when you stop and turn around, not only will you see and feel grateful to your parents, you'll see and you'll feel Hashem is on the line too. So keep it out of the aim is not just like, oh, I have this mitzvah, I have to get their slippers and their newspaper and I can't sit in their seat and I have to, can't call them their name and, you know, it's this uh, symbolic thing and, you know, kids today are like, why do I have to honor my parents? My parents should honor me. You know? Who says they're deserving of honor? Uh, I'm smarter because I know how to Google and I know how to use technology and I have access to more information. They need my help when there's a problem with their cell phone. So they should honor me. right? So, so why should I honor them? They should honor me. And that's a huge challenge we have in our in our day. I can speak a lot about this. I'm not going to go into this, right? Why should I honor any authority or anyone older than me or any anything? Mm -hmm. And the answer is because you got to stop and turn around and realize where you come from. So we we didn't set that up. But any mitzvah that you call out, I don't want to spend more time on this. Any mitzvah at its core says the slanam rebbe is an exercise in humility, is realizing. I just saw this morning the Alexander Rebbe. Someone was asked him, "I can't get my kid to bench." My dad, my kid won't bench. I can't get them to say benching. How, what do you recommend? You know what the Alexander Rebbe said? You need to bench out loud and be, and better. Don't do anything with them. Just you do better. If you bench with sincerity, you know. Do you bench? And while you're benching, are you clearing the table? While you are benching, are you scrolling through your phone? While you're benching, are you whatever? So are you surprised when your child doesn't bench? It was a, it was a great response. Right, not punish your child. Positive conditioning, negative conditioning, positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement. The whole answer was, "How's your benching? How's your benching?" And that will have the impact. Okay, the best way to conquer the yitzharah in this area is we need to overcome that sense of anochius. Anochius is the I, the ego, the id. That sense of I the ego that gets involved in all of this. The ego, honor, envy, lust, desire, arrogance. The ego is the biggest obstacle. Ego is the biggest obstacle in human relationships. Why should we be surprised if the ego is the biggest obstacle in the relationship with Hashem? How are you going to have awe of Hashem if you have a big ego? How are you going to come to love Hashem and forfeit, submit to Him if you have a big ego? So the ego, that sense of anochius, The sense of yeshus that I am all that, that I am something, that I have arrived, that I have accomplished, that I have achieved, what I want right now. My need to comprehend the world. My need for everything to conform the way I want it. That is the biggest obstacle in relationships. As it says in the Tikkun Zohar, Tikkun Eto'lasen, Apikol Omer Kore, Ma'ekra Kol Abasar Chatzir, Kula Inun Da Achlan Chatzir, V'chokhasta Ketitza Sada, Koshesed Inun Avden, Nagarmayu Avden, Afilu Inun, Just like the animal, who in its world, only the animal has its instinct, has its impulse, has itself. An animal has no self-awareness. An animal has no no self-awareness. An animal has no awareness of others. I know every dog lover here is going to tell me how the dog snuggles up to them and loves them and gives to them and protects them, and that's good. But that's coming from that's lovely, yeah. That's an animal instinct. It's an animal impulse, them, so they right? Adore us. Correct. It's an animal instinct. It's Pavlov's dog. It's Pavlov's bell response. It's it's the animal impulse and instinct. An animal has no self awareness. The animal doesn't say, you know, how do I look in this outfit? Mm-hmm. The animal doesn't say, you know, what will What will my owner think of me if I defecate on the carpet? The animal lives, right? We call it even animal impulse. We call it animal instinct, right? The the animal has an instinct and the piece of us that wants to pursue the instinct without thinking is the animal within us. But where does that come from in the animal? Because all an animal cares about is I, It's I. Animals don't have a big ego in the sense that, you know, it's a big ego competition. But an animal only cares about I. I want to eat this. I don't first give thought to, is it mine? Is it yours? Is it healthy? Was it put out for me? Does it belong to me? Right? The animal just wants to eat it. The animal animal needs to relieve itself. It lifts its leg and doesn't say, is this my tree? Your tree? The neighbor's tree? Whose tree? Right? The animal just operates based on instinct. So built into the animal, the animal has an instinct and an impulse that says, me, 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 me. Whatever serves me. Whatever serves me. So, right, the animal, without getting graphic, meets another animal in the backyard. It doesn't say, maybe I should take her out for drinks first. (laughs) What if she's in a relationship with with the cat in the next yard? What if... Right, The animal doesn't start to contemplate what a relationship means. It's anochi. I want to do this right now. I do this right now. I, I, I won't get a graphic, but I once said to a young man who, uh, many years ago, I was in the kolal, and I was learning with a, a young man, who, who told me that any morning that he didn't wake up next to a new girl was a failure of the night before. Right? That was his philosophy of life. So I said to him, I said, let me ask you a question also. When you have the urge that you need to go to the bathroom, do you just go on a tree like you're walking by? He's like, what are you talking about? I said, well, you're basically an animal. You're just, you're living an animal life. That's not, there's no relationship. There's no context. There's no deeper meaning or fulfillment. You feel an urge and you satisfy it. So do you also like, you're walking down the street, you're hungry, you grab some grub and you stuff it in your mouth. You also, you need the urge to go to the bathroom. You find a tree and you go. Like that's the animal in us, and that's the challenge. The whole conflict in life is the tension between, it's the whole Sefer Atanya, is, is, is the Benoni, is the tension between the Nefesh Behemi, the animal impulse in us, and the Tzela Elokim, the godly spirit. That's very interesting, because other Mus'ah Tzvarim, the Kiddush of the Tanya, the other Mus'ah Tzvarim said, the goal of the Tzela HaMelo is to obliterate the Nefesh Behemi. We're supposed to destroy the animal impulse in us. Rav Hirsch writes, that's the origin of karbanos. Karbanos, the idea that you bring sacrifices, is not some barbaric. Said Rav Hirsch, you come to the base of Mikdash, the temple, and you offer an animal to God, and you say, God, the slaughtering of this animal is slaughtering the animal inside me. I'm offering you this animal, and I'm eliminating, I'm purging that animal impulse, that animal instinct in me. And Rav Hirsch so beautifully goes through all of the Seder Karbonos, and describes how it corresponds with that symbolism of getting rid of that instinct and impulse within me. So, for example, he says, you know, the, the, from the flower offering to the wine offering. Flower is my most basic necessity, bread to wine, which represents my luxury. The burning of the fats on the altar is the destruction of the, of the indulgences. And he goes through all of the different examples. So, classically, the idea was that the Tzalim kim I want my godly spirit to... To, to, to obliterate that animal impulse. The, the Sefer Tanya, the Chiddush of the Tanya, the novel approach of the Tanya, of the Alter Rebbe, is that the Tzalim doesn't obliterate the animal impulse. It elevates it. It turns it around. Right? The whole notion, when you picture in Chasidus of, of a fabrengin, of food, of a l'chaim, of a drink, you're not trying to live a life of fasting and of, of trying to transcend the physical desires, the animal impulse. You're embracing that animal impulse but you're transforming it. You're elevating it. You're turning it into something which is higher, into something which is better. So the writes, what's an animal? An animal is all anochi, the anochius, yeshius. An animal says, the here and now, right now. I have to satisfy that appetite, that itch, that urge, that desire, right now. It's me, me, me. And even religious personality, says the Salama Rebbe, you can be observing all of Torah and mitzvos, Check, check, check. Davin, on, get staka, learn dafyomi. Check, 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 check. But really, throughout your day, or what's driving it all, is the sense of anokhius. I want everyone to know I get staka. I want to be seen as the best in the dafyomi. I shuckle the most at the davening. Mm-hmm. Even doing all the right things. A Rebbe of, of Lachman, is coming for Shabbos in December. So he used to describe it in Karen Biavna. He'd say, you know, on the outside of the circle, the points on the circle, you're doing all the right things. You're doing all the right things. The question is, what? you have the spokes of the wheel, what's at the center of the circle? Is Hashem in the middle of the circle because all of the rungs of the circle, it's all there to draw you back to Dveikos. You're going through all those things because you're fulfilling mm-hmm. Hashem's vision for you and for His world, and it yields, it, it, it brings you to a sense of, of connection with Hashem, or is the center of the circle Anochi, is the eye in the center of the circle? Because that gives me satisfaction and that gives me fulfillment and that makes me happy and that brings me honor. Even, by the way, when you're doing it not for honor, but it, you know what? That's what makes me happy. That's like a 21st century. Right. You think our great great grandparents in the ghetto observed because they said, that's what makes me happy? You'd say, why are you doing it? they say, that's what Hashem, that's what I mean, that's what, a, that's what a yid does, that's what Hashem asks of us, that's my responsibility. I'm a link in the chain, I'm in the process of continuity. So Salam Rabbi says, even those Anche Ruah Torah, Anche Ruach, spiritual people who are trying, who are growing in Torah, they're also Nigu and We're also struggling with the Anochius, the I. Haruchni You have to destroy. We have to constantly struggle and battle to sublimate that sense of I. It's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's not about my ego. It's not about my happiness. It's not about my rights and entitlements. It's about my duty and obligation. It's destroying and it's, it's Bittal. Yassig hadvekas b'Hashem. So the prerequisite to clinging to Hashem, the prerequisite to connecting and feeling that connection is to go through your day and to go through your life, not about the I, but going through life. What's my mission? How can I be of service? What I, what I wrote in the, in the weekly, playing off of this blog of this... Uh, I think very insightful teenager, is that whole philosophy of Raf Sadan the Machina and Eli, is is to get out of the what what's the antidote to the I, to the Anochias? Mesiris Nefesh. What's Mesiris Nefesh? Mesiris Nefesh means it's not about what I want, it's about what I can give. It's my willingness. So the whole educational system there in the Machina and Eli, granted it's training young men who are about to go into the army, but is all about where is your place in the army of Hashem? What's your personal mission? Where's your responsibility to give to the world? What can you do? I've been, uh, Congressman Deutsch is a good friend of mine, and, and we learn. and on Friday we were learning, and we were talking about this with Avram, the Lech Lecha, what's your personal mission, and so on. And I said, to, I've proposed to him, you know, the Israel's Sheirut Le'umi, wouldn't it be great if in America there were a notion of national service? You're not going to mandate national service. That, that shift you can't do. But wouldn't it be great if there were legislation that said that if you took a year off, Our kids take a gap year, they go learn in Israel, in yeshiva and seminary. But the average American kid who's coming out of high school in a world of me, 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 I want technology, I want a party, I need a car, I want to go to Starbucks, I need everything. What if they took a year where, I don't know, their parents got a tax break or they got a scholarship to college or some benefit or reward if you created a system of national service? Wouldn't it, w- wouldn't it transform the culture of America? Aren't we desperate for that mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. yes. of national mm-hmm. of national service? So that's the because the prerequisite to dvekas. If you want spiritual growth, you got to get out of that mentality of I, I, I. That's Rav and 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 it will make inspired children. It'll make givers, not takers. It'll make you inspired. It'll it'll make you alive, energized. And it'll probably overcome the amount of antidepressants we're giving out mm-hmm. and all of the other mm-hmm. issues that we're facing today. Because that's the I, I, I life leads to depression. All the studies show. When you go volunteer in a soup kitchen, when you become a giver, you break out of depression. That's when you feel alive. That's when you feel awake. That's when you feel energized. So that's true in the Bein al L'Chaver, or the interpersonal realm. And it's true Bein Adon The Dvekas, you want to feel alive spiritually... Get out of the I, 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 what I want, what I need. I need Hashem's rules to conform to what's easy for me. And get out of that and say, you know what? Mesir nefesh. I don't really want to wear this. But Monsieur nefesh. This is what Hashem's expectation of me of modesty. I'm doing it. I don't want to really give 10% of my income to Tzedakah. But Hashem asked me to be His partner. And He gave me 90%. He's letting me keep 90% of what He earned for me. Or helped me earn or allowed me to earn. I don't really want to give the 10%. Mesir nefesh. I'm going to give it. I don't really want to get out of bed and go to David and go to shul. Maserus Nefesh. So religiously, Maserus Nefesh, get out of the eye. God's rules don't have to conform to what you want. Eating, dress, speaking, staka. Get out of that and get to the point of the the point of the uh breaking of the bittel, nullification of ourselves, submission. And when you achieve submission, that is the prerequisite to Yes? Yes. I uh, wanted to ask what is the difference or how do you differentiate between humility and your self-esteem? It's a great question. It's an important question. Uh, uh, Um, The difference between humility and self-esteem. So I think that... What? The two pockets. Right, the two pockets. The famous... uh, In one pocket you have to carry a uh, little piece of paper... That says, <laughs> Harei ochi, from the Parsha, Avram Avinu, I'm nothing, dust of the world. And <laughs> the other but pocket you carry, the Bishvili Nivra Olam, <laughs> the Gemara statement that the whole world was created just for <laughs> me. And the kunz is to know which to take, when to take which note out of the pocket. <laughs> Sometimes you feel like a nothing. You have to remember the whole world was created just for you. You're just a step below God. Sometimes you feel a little bit of ego. <gasps> you got to take out that other little uh, petek. And remember, I'm a Gurnasht. I'm an absolute nothing. When so. can you possibly think you should think the world was created for you. When you're, when you're depressed and you're lying in bed and you think you're unworthy and you think you don't deserve happiness and you think you have nothing to offer the world, you should remember, bishvili that I have such potential and that the best version of myself is, is meant to make such a contribution to the world that this entire world is worthy just for me. What it's, not just for me what it can give to me, but just for me what I can give to it. So I think there's a very big difference. You can have a lot of self-confidence and be a very humble person. You can, you can have no self-esteem and be very arrogant. The two don't necessarily go together because I think they're very different qualities. The Jewish notion of humility is not to think that you are not worthy. It's to recognize your talents, your skills, your gifts, but to realize it all comes from Hashem, that it's borrowed but never owned and it could disappear in a moment's notice. So the self-confidence is to say, I'm good at A, B, and C. Humility is to say, I'm good at it because Hashem has enabled me to be good at it. And every time it goes well, I thank Him afterwards. And every time before, I say, please Hashem, help continue to let me have it. And to realize it could disappear any moment and never take it for granted. So you can be very self-confident. The self-confidence is that Hashem has granted and gifted me these skills. But the humility is that A, they're for me to serve His world, not for the world to serve me. And B, they could disappear in any moment. And therefore I I have humility about them. Mitzvah dvekas. We'll do two more minutes. Mitzvah dvekas. By shem this kares b'torah kedoshim psukim as Hashem la'kecha tirah osos saavo debo tibak. This mitzvah appears in the Sefer Dvarim that we have to have awe of God, we have to serve Him, and we have to cling to Him. V'chein ki im tishmor tishmorunus im tishmor tishmorunus kol mitzvah zos li'avas Hashem la'kecha alachas b'chol la'dav kabo. Similarly, repeated if you observe safeguard Hashem's mitzvah, this mitzvah to love God, to walk in His ways, and to cling to Him. Because of Aramban, by the way, one of the ways how you cling to Hashem is to walk in his ways. What's the greatest form of flattery? Imitation. 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 You want to flatter Hashem, you want to cling to Hashem, you imitate him. You see that at the beginning of this week's parsha. What does Hashem do at the beginning of this week's parsha? Bikr Cholim. He's visiting Avram Avinu. Avram's recovering from the bris. It's the third day, the worst after surgery. And uh, Hashem is visiting him. He spoke about in the parsha yesterday. Avram interrupts that conversation with Hashem. He says, Hashem, I'm getting a call, call waiting. Do you mind if I just take this call? <laughs> it might be a guest who needs some help, some hospitality. And, and Hashem says, oh, I love that. It's even greater to answer call waiting, to offer hospitality, than it is to continue your conversation with Hashem, which is a very bizarre comment. You're in the middle of a conversation with God. Go back to our earlier metaphor. You're in the Oval Office talking to the President. And you say, you know what? I'm just getting a call. Do you mind if I just take this call? It's like absurd. You're talking, how often do you have that access? So what's the answer? Hashem prefers us to imitate Him than to talk to Him. He'd rather us be like Him than even talk to Him. So in that moment of an opportunity of HaK'Nas HaZorchem, there's the opportunity to emulate and imitate Hashem. Hashem says, I'd rather you be like me than continue to talk to me. Right, don't uh, talk little and do much. Be godly, be godlike, follow in his footsteps. That's what this Pasuk is saying. Love God. How do you love him? How do you love God? Right, walk in his ways, follow him. So, when you love God, you're willing to imitate him, to follow his lead, to, to follow him. That's exactly what it means. Right. We've said countless times. The new kid, the kid who's in the school, says to the new kid, who's very nervous, just stick with me. Follow me. Sit with my, me at that table in the lunchroom. And sit with me in the class, in the spot in the class. And you know, just stick with me. Stick with me, it's going to be okay. So Hashem says, Walk with me, stick with me. Stick with me, it's going to be okay. I do Bikr Cholom, visit the sick, you do Bikr Cholom. I do Necham Avelim, I comfort the mourner, comfort the mourner. I'm Mal I give clothing to those, you be ma'bi Just stick with me. How do I stick with you? By imitating you, by walking in your way. And that's how I find the most meaning in life. V'kasa the Ramban writes, Maybe you think you have to live a life, 30 years of loving Him, another 20 years of imitating Him, and when you're 98 years old, now you're ready, Ladav kabo. Now you're ready to achieve the level of clinging to Him. So Rabban says, no, it doesn't come at the end. It's what you achieve while you're doing it. By loving Hashem, by imitating Him, you are clinging to Him in that moment. It's not a result. Afterwards, it's achieved while you're yet walking in that way. So that's our mission. That's our homework. Every day, that mindfulness. Keep that piece of paper. Keep it on your phone. Spend some time before I daven chakras. What's going on in my day? I've got to include in this davening. Min What happened in my day? That I need to express gratitude or ask him still for more help because it's not yet done or resolved. To live with Hashem. The dveikus is to be mindful that he's a presence in my life to view every mitzvah as an opportunity for an exercise in humility, to realize that if I want my children to bench, I've got to bench in a way that they see me having a conversation with Hashem seriously, having a conversation, and, uh, and so on. And when we do all of this, then it will result in that dvekos that we crave, which is incredibly uplifting and inspiring. Have a great day.